Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. The Hallie Jane Show Talk Radio for Fine Minds airs Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern and is always available for your listening pleasure at halliecasterjane.com. community, internationally acclaimed author, speaker, psychologist to the stars, the founder of Arizona's popular alternative therapy program, Sedona Intensive, Albert Clayton Golden has helped thousands of clients achieve personal growth by harnessing their inner power. In his groundbreaking book, You're Not Who You Think You Are, with a forward by the Celestine Prophecies, James Redfield, Golden teaches the same technique, insights, and exercises familiar to his clients to guide readers to a place where they, too, can uncover the obstacles that hinder their fulfillment. But he focuses on looking within through his thoughtful, practical, and endlessly illuminating guide. He's been featured on The Oprah Winfrey Show, ABC World News, and publications such as the Chicago Tribune. Let's talk to the man whose clients include actress Shirley MacLaine, Susan Sarandon, and Richard Belson. Again, welcome to the Hallie Caster Jane Show. Albert Clayton Golden. I've been having the well, best time talking to this man pre-show of any of the people that I've ever gotten to talk to. It was delightful to have you here. So, well, Albert, I'm glad to be with you. Well, thank you, Don. I want to begin with you, with Albert, with your personal story. You have a story, but yours is. We all have that story, but yours is a little bit more compelling when we see just how far you've come in your personal journey. Let's begin with your childhood. You were given a few lemons to begin with. Talk to me about that. Well, first of all, I was born club-footed, and I was the son of a professional baseball player. And, you know, what I call a a beautiful woman from North Florida, her father was mayor of Live Oak, Florida. And, you know, when I look back on that, I think that maybe, you know, when you can't stand on your own two feet, uh, you know, that's kind of a, a hard way to start anyway. But what happened was... I was a test case by a doctor at the Duke Hospital. Since my father's parents uh, lived in Durham, and the doctor reshaped my feet from birth. And by the time I was 10, 8 to 10, I was wearing high-top shoes, but I could walk. And today, if you saw my tootsies, they looked just like yours. (laughs) But I think the other thing that I want to just jump right in, like it's a swimming pool nice to go into... Um, You know, I'm from a long line of alcoholics, and I think alcoholism is so out of the closet now that we say in our 12-step meetings that, you know, people that don't get to the meetings are just kind of, you know, delaying the inevitable. But I was kind of eighth or ninth generation alcoholic, but, you know, I have several brothers and sisters who never drink. Go figure. But I think... Club feet, coming from an athletic family, they all still, you know, in their 50s and 60s, are still very athletic, and I wasn't. So, you know, I don't know whether I became brainy or brain dead, but I um, I found that self-righteousness I got from my mother's side of the family, that kind of got me through some tough times. And then I went into the ministry because I was 
in a church that the preacher just kind of picked me out and said, are you going to go to divinity school? And after one year, I was um, in South Alabama pastoring a church with uh, a man who was a senior and a woman. When we said, are we going to go visit over there? And she said, no, they're drunks. Well, I do believe that when the notes are struck, you either sing it or run from it. And so I went back to school. It was at the end of the semester, and I quit school. And I went to work. I didn't go to school for a year. went to work in a law firm. And I thought I wanted to be a lawyer until I got to know lawyers, you know. So, uh, <laughs> no, but it, it has been kind of a kaleidoscopic life. You know, I've been a lot of places and done a lot of things. But I always say to people, and sometimes they look wide-eyed when I say it, you know, thank God I found booze instead of the ministry because I have no clue. <laughs> if I had been hung on a cross from all of the self-righteousness that I could have bled you with, but um, but that was kind of a, a way that I started. And, you know, my brothers and sisters were all non-drinkers and did this and did that and worked their way up the ladder and whatever. And instead, what I did was I found through fits and starts, like, you know, like that old thing of concentration, putting the pieces of my life together like a jigsaw puzzle. And so by the time I discovered that my education in in uh, psychology could be blended with Carl Jung. And then, you know, I was awakened to my intuition when I was in grammar school. That's another story. But uh, well, when you is, put all that Let me get to together, that a little bit. Yeah, let me get to that a little bit. You were raised a Baptist, first of all. But you, I was you raised asked, a Baptist. Right. You asked a fair question early on. Um, and this book, uh, love this book, You're Not Who You Think You Are. But you asked the question, if there's a God, why do I have club feet? What yeah. was your answer to yourself? Well, I'll tell you. I, you know, I don't know whether anybody that's listening to us ever heard of Gina Sermonara, but she started probably the spiritual movement with the book called Many Mansions. And, uh, you know, I met her because I wrote her a fan letter. And when she answered, when she called me on the phone, I said, gosh, what are you doing calling me? She said, have you ever gotten one of your letters? She said, you were unbelievably compelling. And she said, I'd like to invite you because I was living in California then, and she had moved to Ojai. And that's where our friend Diane Ladd lives now and Bob Hunter. But uh, she invited me up, and I got up, and she said, come early for breakfast. And I stayed 48 hours. I never went to sleep whatever, but we ate meals, we talked, and so from the very beginning, she said, let me tell you why you had a problem with your feet, and I had not told her about the club feet. She said, because in the time of Christ, you were greatly able to put your own self-hatred, you would hammer those uh, big nails, those things, into the feet and hands of prisoners on the crosses, and she said, and the reason you were able to get your feet corrected is because you were converted, not so much to Christianity, but you were converted to your own wrongdoing. But I, she said you were converted. And she said, and you made amends for your behavior by taking care of the families of the men that died on crosses. Do you know what? Nobody can prove that, but I can tell you. I've told that story a million times, and I'm sticking to it. I believe it. You also say this. Um, you say you heard voices as a kid. Can you elaborate on that? And Were you hearing the voice of God? Were you afraid you were schizophrenic? What? I mean, you hear voices. No, it wasn't. Can I tell you something? Schizophrenia, yeah. I wish we would take all the words out 
that well, psychologists yeah, right. let you run into the room and hide with. Uh, I don't know what <laughs> it was, but I'll tell you what it was like for me. Like, for instance, in the book I'm writing now, I, it's a Ramon I clay, so everything's changed. But I remember a woman came over to my mother's uh, to see my mother, and I came in the living room and was hanging upside down on the settee, and the woman was sitting there. And I was probably five years old, and I said, are you having an affair? And she ran out of the house. And so later, when I got older, my mother said, you know, Billie Jean was just knocked out because that's what she was telling me, that her husband caught her having the affair and they were going to get a divorce. Well, those are the kind of things, and I just say that it's kind of like, uh, God, in my way of thinking, is like Edgar Bergen. You know, Edgar Bergen, Charlie McCarthy sure, was right. a guy uh-huh. in the 60s, 70s, uh, Candace Bergen's dad. So uh, I think that God is Edgar Bergen, and I'm Charlie McCarthy. <laughs> and so somebody's using my mind and my mouth, my voice box, to say these things. But I do get images when I sit with people. And when I was a kid, I'm telling you the truth, I would literally give lunch money to kids that hadn't eaten. You know, I grew up in World War II when I was a kid. So, uh, but I mean, and, and then I would say things to people like, you know, your mother's sick, but you know, I just think God's going to heal her and whatever. And then three, three or four months later, they say, "Oh, Mama's all better," you know. And but that happened to me always. And the big thing I was famous for in college was putting people together. You know, boys and girls who who got married and. The last time we counted, it was 34, 35 couples. And so, oh, I need you. I need you. <laughs> no, but I'll tell you, a lot of people, do, I should stand on the street corner, right? Give yeah, all the right. money to feed the poor. Well, the thing that I want to tell you, though, is let me just not dodge your question because, you know, I'm a person that says stay gnawing on it till you get some juice. So here's what I'm going to tell you. I believe that those of us that can get still and erase the blackboard the Dr. Feelgood Ego has written on it, then we can hear in the silent and invisible planes. And I can tell you, my clients will tell me this. They will sit in front of me, and I will say, yada, yada, yada. And they will say something like, now, how do you know that? Is that in my, I call it my union uh, design. And I'll say, can I tell you the truth? I have no clue except I have a long career of being able to do this. But I told the source that if I ever figure it out, it's kind of like Dorothy at Oz. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to know a lot of things because I want that the world that's really in charge of me and moving me, and hopefully other people that know what they see when they listen, what they hear when they look. I don't want to know to solve the mystery. So when you say, "Do you hear and do you see? Is it from God?" I told you my Charlie McCarthy story, but I do know that if you cannot be attached to politics and religion and all the thousand forms of stupid attractions that go on in this uh, unreal world, you know, I'm a Vedantist, and we say this is illusion, and we come from real, and we go back to real. So I don't know what it is. I just know that it works, and it usually works the most with desperation when you say, in you know, in 12 steps, we say the simple prayers, God help me. When you are in despair and when all uh, kind of reasoning from all the sources have failed you in that moment, because in surrendering, something happens. 
Okay, so let me let me. There are a couple of things that 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 makes me. First of all, do we ask too many questions? Do we? Yeah. Yes, you think so? Yeah, of we course ask, we do. Yeah, we don't need to have Listen, so many let me, answers. Let me let me just Go tell ahead. you this but, because I I really love talking to you. Uh, <laughs> a woman and I talked twenty minutes ago, and she edited, "You're not who you think you are." I adore her, and boy, when she gets out that old rapier that says, "I'm here in the editor's chair, shut up and listen." Well, I let her do it. And they always say, we liked the manuscript, but she made it so much better. So I called her about the current book that I'm doing, and she said, incidentally, whatever. And this was somebody that's in the television thing that I know, that I met through magic, when I wasn't asking a lot of questions. I just showed up to life. So I've now hooked them up the last 10 minutes hoping that something works because my editor wrote a book and you know Robert Evans just wrote his last book called yeah. The Fat Lady Sang and he said in there he was the one at Paramount Pictures when he was head of Paramount that he wrote the book after the script and now people are writing scripts and books together which is what my editor has done so the thing is wouldn't it be wild if that worked wouldn't it be wild if uh, everything in your life when you quit putting great expectations on it, you know, I think that sometimes we're like, we're moved around kind of like the magic of movement of the silent and invisible world. I mean, I can tell you right now, I just came back from New York for Thanksgiving with my dog, Mr. Darby, the world's greatest dog. And when we sat down, this gorgeous blonde, I thought, how did I get so lucky? She turned out to be from Israel. God, you would think I were a Jew. She was gorgeous. She looked like Marilyn Monroe in the good days. And she was smart and loved my dog. And every time I needed to go to the bathroom, she, Mr. Darby jumped in her lap, and she said, does he want to go home with me? And I said, if he does, I will, I'll kill him. So then coming home, he jumped in the lap of a man, and for five hours he wouldn't leave his lap. And the man started Tears in his eyes at the end. He said, Albert, I just lost my border collie after 16 years two weeks ago, and your dog came over to heal me. See, those are not things logic and reason can tell you, but the dog knew, and the dog went where he was going, and he stayed there, and the man loved it. I mean, those are so the things. Yeah, right. You're talking about the magic of life, and if we would just let it be magical instead of questioning it so much, maybe we and, and get in tune with the magic, we might be better off. Let me ask you this. Um, stay with me on this, because I, I, I want to um, explore something that you – this is a great Sufi story that was in the book that you put in the book. I love this. It says, you're not, it says, help me out, it goes something like this, all right, let me get it right. If we put God at the bottom of the ocean, man will dive there, right? Place God on the mountaintop and God's going to dive there, go there. But if we put God inside of man or himself, man will never think to look there. So, So here's my question, which is, there are an awful lot of people seeking answers outside of you and me, right? Why is there so much pain? It seems like pain is the catalyst that gets us to look inside. Why in the world does it have to be through pain? Why can't it be joy? Talk to me about well, that. Well, first of all, you know, you you really came up with, I think, one of the, my favorite parts of the book uh, because I do think that uh, I was taught to, to dive and to climb. And nobody ever told me to look inside. They always say, Jesus loves you. Look over here. Listen to the preacher. Don't you dare do that. You can do this and whatever. Well, here's the thing about all this. 
I really do believe that when we learned, when we were five years old, about the five senses, I think we became attached to them like Elmer's glue sticking to us. And when you live, particularly with sex and food, when you live with those attachments, those senses, you never want to look inside yourself. I'm going to tell you something that's going to really shock you, maybe. (laughs) The only way, no, I had a horrible marriage. Thank God she's dead, and I'm sure she's right on the phone with us here. But, uh, (laughs) But the thing is, I will tell you, she was more of a man than I was, and she was attractive and, you know, one of these people that could chew the scenery. Um, the only way that I learned about how incomplete I was was when I found the anima, which is the Carl Work Young uh, work, when I found the feminine within myself. I call her Alexandra, and I can tell you that's the linchpin of the work that I do today because I remember I have movie stars, professional sports figures, Wall Street, you know, all these big Butch Cassidy types, and they come in, and by day two, they're talking to the shadow inside themselves, the anima. And women, the same thing, the animus, those are Latin terms for the male within the woman and the feminine within the male. So the thing that I have to say is that is a big piece. You have got to somehow go through the detoxification, breaking the umbilical cord, to all the things you need to have in your life to make you happy. Now, I just came from New York, went down Fifth Avenue. There's some people that look, smell, and act just like, if I don't have that Hermes purse, I'll kill my maid. You know, and it's just unbelievably crazy. I'm telling you, you know, at my age and where I am, I don't want any. If I ain't got it, I don't want it. And when I say that to people, they say, huh? I said, don't harm me. You know, I harm myself to death. So the thing that I'm trying to say is that I really feel fulfilled when I am working with someone who has an emotional, emotional, psychological, religious, spiritual breakthrough and break the mold and crack the code of why they're stuck in a life they can't stand anymore. We're talking about why we make it harder than it needs to be, but let me I'm, let's keep that out there for a minute because I'll come back to that. But I want to talk to you about karma because I know you were a huge believer believer in karma. So talk to me about karma. Okay, all right. Here's the thing about karma. I do think that it's smarter to believe in karma. Actually, I'll go back to Gina Sermonara. I said to Gina. Gina, would you please explain to me why I was born the shortest and everybody in my family's the She said, well, maybe you were Zacchaeus climbing up in the tree. I said, what was I looking for? Looking for Christ consciousness. I said, so not Jesus. She said, no, the idea, love thy neighbor as thyself. Uh, you know, my favorite thing is for the love of money is the root of all evil. I say that in the face of Wall Street all the time. Well, I'll tell you, the only way you can explain karma is how can somebody be born Jackie Kennedy and gone to the schools she she did and married the President of the United States, marrying a rich Greek, and die of cancer, which was her exit. You know, that's the way she said, I want to get out. Because, you know, she was never one to eat a big old steak and or a juicy hamburger. But the thing is, Jackie Kennedy may have been a slave, and she may have been a good one. And then she may have gone to uh, the spiritual school of Ock and she did pretty good there. Uh, so you work your way up. 
to being able to have the life that you have now. See, when people say to me, all those poor people that are starving to death in Africa, and you know what I say to them? Oh, yeah, I used to be one of those people. Why do you think I love Barack Obama, the black man? Because I used to be one. But the thing is, you have to make some ascension. You come up, you know, Christians talk about climbing Jacob's ladder. Well, and we also, in the chakra world, talk about the crown chakra, and this is where that evolution state is. We get the the knowledge through the crown. Uh, people, People earn or they slide back. And, you know, in the Bible it talks about the talents. And so I just tell people that, you cannot be a beautiful woman who's rich and never have a bad day. You can't have one life like that. And you can't explain why somebody would be born with no arms and no legs, scooting along with their little brother on a board in, in India. You can't explain that. He may have been somebody that cut off arms and legs. So, okay, so knowing uh, that, knowing that, let me, go, let me take you a step further on that. So we're talking reincarnation. Right. How does reincarnation affect our walk on earth? How do we use knowing that? Well, we'll use me. I, I just feel like that that's the reason that after I'd been all the places that I'd been, that maybe uh, this whole thing of loving and helping people make the corrections in consciousness so that they can feel the, the love of the divine. Listen, there's nothing like knowing what that love is. It will be any husband, any wife, any big old piece of stuff, the man of the year, the whatever, the love of God and the God within, the approval of the father figure, father, mother figure within yourself, this is where the release from the attachments come. And so I feel like that when when I look at someone, uh, I, can, I can give them some resources that I have. Uh, I can help them. I can buy them a meal. Uh, sometimes I give clothes. I can give those things because I want to make the the world that I touch be elevated somewhat. But I will tell you, and I want you to really get this very clear. It's just, you know, I used to say, these are my opinions. <laughs> and they told me, Simon Schuster, quit saying that. We want you to speak for a bigger group than just you. So, but my opinion is this, that what I'm telling you is the truth. We have to work our way out of the pit that we found ourselves in. And if you'll permit me, I want to tell the Joseph Campbell story. You know, he and Bill Moyer got together, and it's brilliant. And, and, and I must say, Joseph Campbell, after my sobriety almost 34 years ago, he's the one that told me this story on one of those tapes. He said there was a struggle in heaven, and angel of light went to the God and said, I want to be God. And so God said, why? He said, I like the big spa tub, and <laughs> I like your maid better than mine. You know, you wear gold rims around your whatever. I love that crown on your head. And God said, no. And he said, don't let you, the door hit you in the asses on the way out. <laughs> so then the fallen angel, I have, a, I have a picture, a painting over my fireplace, and that's the name of it, the fallen angel, which uh, a famous painter gave that to me when I had the subtitle of my first book, Clearing for the Millennium, We're All Fallen Angels. So the, the big kahuna of fallen angels left heaven. And God, in his mercy, created the planet Earth as reform school. And he put a little tiny chip. You know, we're all living in the computer world with chips. Put a little tiny chip in each of us so that there's a homing device 
that when we hear a song or smell a smell or when we meet somebody like I did, Halle Castle James, that I can have an awakening. We can have a spark. We can have a remembrance. And so the whole purpose of all of us on the planet Earth in Reform School is to work, work our way back to the other side. You know, there's a great thing that surrounds the spiritual hierarchy today, and they all say, I don't want to come back anymore. Well, here's what I'm going to say. I only want what the God of my understanding, who knows better than I do, what my true soul essence and how it's resonating and vibrating. So that's the story that Joseph Campbell's told us, and I'm sticking with it because it works for me. And we're in reform school. And the more that you want to always wear the right thing and live in the right place and always this and always that, you know, you're just separating yourself yourself out from what the true nature of God and God's will for our life is. And that's it, isn't it? Um, because you say that inside of every person there is the divine. And so really the, the secret to all of the answers is to connect interiorly, if you will, with the divine, right? Absolutely. Well, but the thing can I tell you something? I feel, so, I feel so free right now. And I'm wondering <laughs> if they're calling my number, you know, because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm at the end of this book and I, my character kills this very famous person. But, uh, the this thing is a woman is, that clap and you wind up killing somebody. Wait a minute. <laughs> well, the character does. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> but you know there are things called mercy killing. Remember Dr. Kaborgian? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there is that. Uh, but the thing that you have to understand is that I, when I tell you I feel real free, and that's why I kind of connected to you from, from the beginning, is that I feel like people are on a wave. People are on a level of understanding, you know, and what I do understand is that some days, you know, we've just been through some bad weather. And some people in Wisconsin I saw on television, about 30 people, and they all converged on the ice and whatever, and three or four of them were killed, I'm sure. That they might have said, well, should I really go out in this weather? But they did, and that's the assignment that they made. On this date, at this time, I will come back to the other side. And we get a review card. And, and I can tell you right now, nothing over there looks like anything over here. And excuse me to all the Baptists that are listening, the streets are not paved with gold. <laughs> and that there's nobody sitting on either side of God because we are re we are revealed to be the gods that we've always saw was within us. And uh, I just really feel like that when you, you know, I'm big into my dog, my God, if anybody came near that dog, they better start running. Well, I was just, you know, seeing a woman that I go to once a week, and she said, did you ever realize how much Mr. Darby has changed you? And I said, how so? She said, you used to always come in, and you would say, I know I'm five minutes late, but I have to leave five minutes early. And she said, now you come in right on time, and you're very present right here, and I think that dog, while you're sleeping, he probably sometimes sleeps on your chest. He sleeps all over me. So I'm just trying to say some of these things because, you know, if you have an animal or if you have somebody who works in service, like I have a housekeeper, she's so adorable and doesn't speak Really good English, but boy, when I, you know, I buy a lot of stuff I don't wear when I give it to her or her husband, she just beams, you know, because that's a gift that they maybe they wouldn't be able to afford and whatever. So there are different ways that language works besides 
the spoken word. Your theory is that we need to look back before we can go forward. True. You are listening to the Hallie Caster Jane Show, Talk Radio for Fine Minds, always available for your listening pleasure at HallieCasterJane.com. And we are talking with spiritual leader Albert Clayton Golden. How come everybody from the South, Albert, has three middle names that they use? <laughs> You know what? I guess it's because we're so forgettable that maybe the more names we give you, you might remember one of them. I love it. I have I have three names, too. Um, so let's get to this book, You're Not Who You Think You Are. Do most people or most of us live in illusion? Is life an illusion? Talk to me, illusion. Okay. Yeah, life is an illusion. You know, I mentioned how we got to the planet Earth. I really wish people would kind of roll that around and maybe write in their journal tonight about you know, this is reform school. You know, reform is not a bad thing. It means that you want to change the behavior from the way it was. But I really do believe that the illusion is that we have to, you know, Christians or religious people have to be in that sect or that denomination, and that's nonsense. You know, it, it all, to me, these are my opinions, remember, folks, uh, my opinion is that denominations are all about you still there? Yeah. Denominations are all about having uh, a struggle with the divisiveness of the ego. And and I feel like that um, that when you think that you need something, you don't. I mean, you know, obesity is a, a catastrophic stage in this country, and it's not what you're eating, it's what's eating at you. And so... Maybe the need to eat all the time is what's really causing, uh, giving you a flashcard from God about what you need to look at. What are, what is eating at you, you know? And I think um, this is going to rile a lot of people. You know, I'm not a real big fan of people that go to tailgating and get drunk and scream and try to kill each other if their team loses in a football game. But that's also, you know, the liquor uh, issue is another cover-up of not being able to look at reality. And uh, and I just feel like that we come to the planet Earth, and, you know, I didn't say this yet, but, you know, I start out reconnecting with the light. Well, it says in the Bible, in Genesis, you know, there was darkness and then light and then what I say, without darkness, there can be no light. If you ever study with a rabbi, the Kabbalah with the rabbi, like I have, receive the light to share. And the only way that you illumine the darkness is to prefer the light. And so I, I do believe that the planet Earth is inhabited by people who are attached to the sensories and all the things that separate you out from looking for God. And so, I don't know, it's just it's just kind of crazy. I mean, I sometimes say it's really wild trying to think where to put the tiny bit of money I might have left for retirement because the minute you put it in the market, which most people do, will have a crash like we did in 2008. Then you think it's safer to put your money in your house and then the housing market crashes. So this is all trying to show you that all the things you're trying to do to make yourself safer and better, that's not where the stock should be taken. It should be taken uh, in your own soul center, your spiritual nature within yourself. So talk to me about the Sedona Intensive. 
Um, you listen to your Kabbalah teachers. You give back, and you do it partly through these kind of conversations and partly through your wonderful books, also through the Sedona Intensive. So talk to me about that. Okay. What is the Sedona Intensive? Here's what we do. I prepare like I kind of did for you when we met. I prepare. I just happen to call it the Union Chart Paradigm, and it just tells me a lot about you. And if somebody uh, agrees, I'm just going to say this, and it might sound like a arrogant, but I don't mean it that way. I can tell you, I don't miss anybody. I mean, I might miss three to seven or eight percent just because some people like Gemini's move so fast, you know, like the moving target. But if I, if a person calls me interested in the Sedona Intensive, there is always some addiction there. Sex, drugs, rock and roll, alcoholism. And I go through what I call an evaluation to see if they're ready. And if they are, then I hook them up with my assistant who puts them through, you know, the financial arrangement and when they're coming and I send them homework. And everybody write a lot. Some people write 100 pages before they come. And you always write every day that you're here. And you meditate every day that you're here. And you go to an open AA meeting every day that you're here. And you see another psychologist. You see a network chiropractor. You have massage. I have a woman that's really good in bringing the other world to this one. Some people call them intuitive. She's very spiritually alive and awake and aware. Then I have somebody else that does another way to look at them. It's called human design. They just see a lot of people, and then they get some aftercare when they leave, but they usually come in on Sunday, and they leave on Saturday or the next Sunday. And some people stay longer. And uh, what they do is they come in, and they're telling me in the, homework, the first day is really tell me about who you are and all the things that happened to you to make you you. And then you'll have to just let me be a little funny here, because sometimes I'll say, like I remember a lady once said, my God, I thought she'd come in her Balenciaga because she thought I was going to tell her how great she looked. And I said, liar, liar, pants on fire, and shook her. And she said, what'd you just say to me? And so she did the best job in the world. I'm telling you, I took her, I deconstructed her like I was somebody in a laboratory. She was from the South. Hello. Southerners are sicker than others. You know? And she said, my mama. I said, if you say your mama again, I'm going to bring your mama over here and I'm going to tie her up to the stake and threaten to burn her. I mean, I say things to people because we are so under the swoon of nonsense that when you say some of these things, people really wake up. You know, I call, you know, there was a book that came out in the 70s called Snapping. And so I always, it was all about, remember when people got into cults and they were programmed and had to be uh, deprogrammed? Well, um, I used to tell them, well, you got to snap out of it, snap back, you know, because we're all born into whatever is our best starting point to look at the world we have to take apart and have God help us put it back together. So you, you in the book, you describe eight stages that are key to self-discovery. And, and so let's, we can't do them all here, but let me throw out a few and have you comment on them. Let's start with stage one, because I think you just talk about that, which is converting to the ego. Yeah, <laughs> well, but the thing, you know, you can never say enough about that. What I have to say about the ego, and I really hope that people don't consider this frivolous stuff. You know, this is the big piece of steak that they listened for me to say with you today. And the big piece of steak is it is the uh, it's the integration of the shadow. 
Now, I want to just say this within you. I'm going to use you because I love you. Okay, <laughs> so I know your name is Callie, and I'm going to call your male side Calvin. And when you and Calvin come into agreement, you can go out with Frankenstein or Rhett Butler, and you come home at night and say, Calvin, we made it through the night, you know, and you can kind of laugh. But when you have a relationship with the part of you, you know, Jews know this in the Kabbalah, uh, and, and, the, uh, and the whole thing is called their split apart. So when you can integrate the shadow, and when you can let the shadow speak through you, I always tell people, my God, the good part of me is Alexandra, and the one with the bull whip and the six shooter is Albert. You know, so the thing is, the 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 ego must be converted, and the conversion. Get this, this is real important because there are a lot of people that come to me and say, "I've been beating my ego to death, and it still won't die." And I said, "Well, honey, hug it." I said, "You know, I'm from the South. Before you give them a piece of pecan pie, hug them. You know, let them feel the electric shock of God." So the integration of the the shadow, who people think you are, that's the way we look at you. That that they can't see until you integrate is the shadow. And so here's what I'm going to tell you. People talk about the egos. I'm going to give you all the egos. I'll do mine. My ego is the dark side. It's the one that makes the worst decisions in the world based upon sensory perception. Two, it is my unintegrated shadow. If I were still going to Baptist church, it's, it's the devil. Uh, you know, it's Mephistopheles. It's it's the one that's resistant to change and integration. So when you convert the ego, integrate the shadow, and I can tell you, you're 60% there. So it's really learning to embrace the all of you rather than yeah. the parts that you want the world to think about. Didn't you, you ever so buy lovely. something? I mean, you know, oh, you're, yeah. down there in, you're down there in Florida. But when I grew up, we had reversible stuff, you know. I said to Mama, oh, that's the way you can look good to have the price because you can turn it inside out. Well, that's kind of what we do with the ego. They see you as Cali. Now, I just turned Hallie. you inside out. Hallie, why do you keep calling me yeah, Hallie? Hallie, you keep calling Hallie. me Hallie. I don't know why you, Hallie. you don't know my name is Hallie. But, yeah. but, then, but then what you want to do is that you want to, well, rather than Calvin, we'll call you Hal and Hallie, okay? <laughs> okay. My so, But when we turn you inside out, we get your shadow. And there sure. are times, I can tell you, uh, in the time I've known you, you have a very strong Hal side. And at the same time, you know how to roll the dough and help everybody cook the apple pie. So you you do have that nature. I'm just trying to give people imagery about how you do conversion. Because I'll tell you, the ego, the ego is the one that says, Hallie. Honey, you're so darling. You should just stand down there. And maybe you should get on all those uh, dating sites because you never know who's going to be on there. You know what I tell people? Go hear Liza Minnelli. She sang this song uh, where she went to Dubrovnik and, and yeah. she got over there looking for a soulmate. And he lived in 26E and she lived in 26F. And I always say to people, you don't have to go anywhere except where God sends you. So true, you so know, true. Time I had don't a we all want to take control? Don't we all just want to take control? Everybody and wants run to it? be in control, but we're yeah. powerless. 
I can tell you that. Right. You're powerless. Right. When you start the conversion, you're powerless. You know, it's like having one foot one place and one the other. I'm going to read some um, of the others because I'm looking at time and we're running short and there's some things I really want to get to. So let me just throw out a stage two is answering uh, the question, God or no God. Stage three, out of the darkness into the light. You talked a little bit about that. Stage four, karmic mirrors. What's that about? All right, look, karmic mirrors is this. You get what you deserve. People are always saying to me, well, I just had this story yesterday. Why? I thought God had sent her into my life. I knew her five weeks and everything said, marry her, marry her, marry her. And within two months of marriage, I fled like a thief in the middle of the night. And what happened? I said, because you probably learned in five weeks that she had all the lessons you would have learned. This woman was you and you were her. Now, if God's motive was get in and get out, that's what you've done. But I can tell you, please let me say this. I went to Ojai to uh, this spa over there and the Ojai Valley Inn. And I tell the you. Best. <laughs> I love that place. A woman walked down the hall and she saw, she was with her girlfriend. She saw my baseball cap that said Sedona. And she said, well, the woman said, oh, I love Sedona, whatever. I go over to Garland's and whatever. And here's what I said. A client of mine from Texas wants to buy it and have me use it to do my intensives and, you know, maybe have other spiritual people come or whatever. She said, don't know that. I can't. Then I can't go there. I said, no, you can come and see if you like our program. Her her friend said, I didn't like you the minute I met you. And guess what I said? Sometimes I don't like me either. She hugged me. I ate every meal with them. And the woman walked me to my car because I left before that. She said, Albert, this has done more to help me reconcile the divorce with my husband. You, instead of being angry and mean and bad to me, you opened your arms. That's what a karmic mirror is. If you think everybody's your enemy, you better keep on looking deep within yourself because you get what you deserve. And I can tell you, I'm not supposed to live in Bel Air, and I'm not supposed to have servants, and I'm not supposed to be driven around in a Rolls Royce. I'm supposed to be right where I'm supposed to be, living with Mr. Darby right here in Sedona. So the karmic mirror, you don't need to look. First of all, the greatest karma in your life is your mother and your father. Then all the people you date and all the people that hate you, love you, whatever, they're all karmic. They're they're mirroring what you need to look at in your life. And do you know how I know when something's not a karmic mirror for you? If somebody comes up to you and says, Hallie, I think you're the most wonderful person in the whole wide world, and you call me and say, you know what, right after I left her, somebody says, I can't stand you. I said, whatever, then I know that was not your mirror to look at because neither one, you were not as great as one said you were and you weren't as bad as the other thought you were. It was all about transference and projection and this is why marriages end. One wants the other to be what they need for them to be and vice versa and that's not really the way it is. The greatest marriages in the world combine being a brother and a sister with maybe having a few kids. But Dante says after 40, your householder, see God instead of the sexual playground. There's so many others. Everybody pick up the book, You're Not Who You Think You Are, because he takes you through it, and if you can't afford the intensive it's a great next step. But I'm going to jump ahead in, in, in the interest of time, and I want to get back to astrology. Can I just tell him one thing? 
that I yeah. do do a lot of Skype work, so you don't have to pay all the money to come to Sedona. Maybe I do a thing called Sedona Intensive at Home on Skype. Well, there you go. That's simple. Everybody try that if you can't afford to go all the way. Although Sedona, wonderful. Um, let's talk astrology again. Um, you uh, say follow your stars. Everything you need to know and everywhere you need to go is in your birth chart, right? Um, and that astrology has always been about timing. So talk to me a little bit about astrology and the power of it, because everything you ever need to know is right there, right? Yes, but let me, can I keep it simple? Remember, I'm yeah. in that simple program. It hadn't been simple. You know, I didn't do very good in math. Uh, so let me give you two things that you're looking for. First of all, the stars have always been followed by heads of state and whatever, and it's the oldest, oldest, oldest in the world. The reason the Catholics can't have it is that they're the most controlling people, except here came Pope Francis, and I put him on my website, one of the people I most admired because he's a sweetheart. Uh, but they hide everything down there in the floorboard of the Vatican. Um, but what happens is that when the planets move, things happen. Now, I'm going to give two things that are going to help people. The reason the economy is better in the country is because Jupiter, which is the expander, we call it the horn of plenty, it's in the sign of cancer. And even Doras know that we are Cancer in July, born on the 4th of July. And we have three planets in cancer. So all of that until next middle of July next year is in cancer. So we're going to continue to blossom and bloom. Now let me tell you who's having it difficult. People born from October 23rd to November 22nd, and those are Scorpios. The Scorpios are having it a bit difficult because Saturn is the teacher. Saturn is the one that says, listen to um, Halicaster Jane because if you need history, she'll have that, if you've got that and whatever. And it also says, stop blaming other people. Don't do boohoo Betty or poor pitiful Pearl. If you owe it, pay it back. Quit spending if that's one of your addictions. You're drinking too much, drugging too much, go to AA and NA. But Scorpios are the ones that are having to understand that those deep, deep, deep wells of toxicity have got to be brought to the surface. So the only way that you do that is you quit denying that that's there. Whether it's, you know, Scorpios are infamous for affairs and dark side and, you know, and <laughs> they're the ones that say to you, God, I may not get you today, but I'll lie and wait. And just when you think it's hallelujah, Jesus, I'm going to strangle you in your own backyard. So they've got to get over the need to get even with people. Now, the people that are going to have it easier during this time are uh, Pisces, Cancers, and even with the Jupiter effect, Scorpios. So the, the water signs and the earth signs, because it's all water and earth are compatible and fire and air are compatible. So it's about time because, you know, I'm writing another book. I'm trying to get a TV series thing going. So uh, probably by the middle of next summer, it'll come together or it won't. And I would have said, hey, I had a good time doing what I was doing trying to get there. But the, the, the stars and the movement of stars, and remember, be very careful letting people tell you I'm a psychic, they could be a psycho. There are people that are saying, I'm an astrologist, and they may know a thimbleful. But I will tell you that astrology, and a lot of people don't know this, Carl 
Young was, I think, the greatest psychoanalyst who ever lived. And, you know, there was the Red Book that just came out. It's sitting right here by me. And he sat in there. He would never see a patient until he did their birth chart. Now, I do it different from the astrologist. But Carl Young was the one that said you can be neither healthy nor happy until you discover who you are. Remember, you're not who you think you are. So that was really kind of very congruent to kind of put that in there because I really believe that. The church cannot tell me. My politics cannot tell me. My gender cannot tell me. My Southerners cannot tell me. My United States of America cannot tell me. I can go anywhere. You know, I go to Egypt all the time. And I was going to be there at this time uh, this year. And then they had all the problems in the spring and the State Department lifted our visas. But the Egyptians teach me a lot more than even the Arizonans. I believe that. Um, It's that time before we go, though. Two things. One, anything else that you want to predict for 2014 or you've said as much as you Well, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you is, and I don't want to get too much into the politics, but you're going to see... All right, I'll give you my favorite line, and I want everybody to tattoo this on their wrist, and that is God's taking his world back. And I will tell you that the fat cats that have been running the show, next year you're going to see a great shift in those people that always thought they were the have-nots and the minority are going to begin to be almost like a tsunami come and wash over the country so that people that thought that, that we were living under the benevolent despot of their own agenda are going to be found wanting and voted out. Like the way that sounds. I was going to leave my last, so many things to ask you and not enough time, so Albert, you will come back, I hope. But in the meantime, I was going to ask you that. Can I say one more thing? Anybody that contacts you, uh, say the first three people, I will do a complimentary 30-minute Skype session for them. Okay. Or if they're on your site or or you can tell them how to reach me. But the first three people, I'll do a 30-minute complimentary. And, but it has to be on Skype. So I just thought okay. I'd offer that. That's awfully nice. That's awfully nice. You still there? What do you know that noise? <laughs> I think you lost your phone. But I was going to say that um, my last question to you was going to be, what about miracles? Um, are they open to us all? But I think we have a miracle here. We have a miracle here. And a wonderful guest, his name, the author, Albert Clayton Golden. The book, You're Not Who You Think You Are. Also look for Albert's other books, Signs and Wonders, Understanding the Language of God, and From the Dog's Mouth about his lovely, lovely dog. To learn more about the life and work of Albert Clayton Golden, visit the website at www.sedonaintensive.com. Albert, it's a pleasure. Loved it. Thank you, darling. Me. I hope so soon. Talk okay. soon. Thanks right. again. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Great.